rdtdaily.com presents a Tara Buster with comedian Tara Devlin. All right. Hi. What's going on? Another day. Another Tara Buster. Well, I'm trying to do as many as possible. My name is Tara Devlin. So we want to build this community and we want to meet new people. You want to get together as much as possible and... How do you build a community? Except you don't build it by not doing shows. So I'm trying to do as many shows as possible already. And Jim is here with the super chat right out of the gate. Thank you, Jim. You validate the work that I do and that we do together. I can't do it without you. And Peter Griffin is here. (laughs) Thank you, Peter from Family Guy. He's here on the um, Super Chats are coming in like, oh my God, hi, Haiku. Thank you. We're getting a lot of Super Chats. I didn't even begin the show. I thought, hey, what the hell? A lot of stuff is going on. It never stops. I don't think I'm going to do a four-hour show tonight. In fact, yesterday we did, it was about a a three-and-a-half-hour show, and I would have, it probably would have hit four hours if the Ecamm didn't screw up. If I didn't hit the wrong button and the ecam froze, so I was like, "Holy shit!" The time does fly when you're having fun, but I guess this is sort of like our lives. We blink, and it's uh, you know, it's almost Friday. And what about my God? What? <laughs> Not a four-hour show, a five-hour show. We're going for five, says Peter. We will. Maybe we'll do, in the future, we'll do a marathon show or something, a special occasion. I was thinking we could do that. We'll get a bunch of guests calling in. We'll have the phones open. We'll have maybe, I don't know. We'll we'll think about it. So I'm asking you to become patrons at patreon.com slash Tara Devlin. And we'll have more shows, and there'll be regular shows. We'll have a regular time. Uh, it's kind of hard to build the community when it's you never know when the show's going to be on or not, except on Saturday. So we have our regularly scheduled Saturday evening show from 6 to 8 p.m. at the RDT Daily Facebook and YouTube channels. And we are rebroadcast starting Sunday at 6 p.m. Eastern on Progressive Voices or anytime on the Progressive Voices app. I, I have to say that. And SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher. Please give the show a good review on iTunes. And what else? Keep coming back. It works if you work it. So work it. You're worth it and live it. I, uh, yeah. Okay. It never ends. Never a dull moment. Yeah, maybe an election day marathon, Peter, on the chat. Yeah. That might be good. If, you know, I don't know. I don't know if I can get it. I, I What if... It doesn't go our way. First of all, it's going to suck anyway. Because we're either going to have Twitler or a corporate Dem. Of course, we want the Dem. I think. I'm not speaking. I guess I should stop saying we. Let me speak for myself. I am not a big fan of Joe Biden. As you all know, I was for Bernie and still am. And I voted for Bernie in the primary here in New York on Tuesday. And, well, let me tell you, I, it's really irritating because when I got there, wait, hold on, something is 
fucking Jesus Christ. Hold on. An ad just started blasting in my ear. I hate when that happens. I have a website open, and all of a sudden an ad popped in. You know what I mean. So, yeah, so I voted on Tuesday, and I voted for Bernie. You, uh, first of all, I went, I I had requested a mail-in ballot, and I had requested it weeks ago with well enough time to receive this mail-in ballot that never arrived. Okay, I wonder who else had that experience. So I went to the polls, and then I had to think about what if someone requested the mail-in ballot but was incapable of getting to the polls for whatever reason, and that is why they requested that mail-in ballot. I guess you're SOL, but funny how here in New York, we never really had many problems here as far as voting is concerned. My entire life that I voted, because New York City is basically a democratic town. It's, uh, it's a given. So they don't really play their dirty tricks here. The Republican dirty tricks with the voting, and of course gerrymandering exists and whatnot. But it only started to happen when we had progressive candidates seeking office against the entrenched Democratic machine. So it's not a coincidence. All of the dirty tricks that go on, they go on, on both sides. Now, don't get me wrong, the goddamn Republicans are, they're disgusting. They are the enemies that the founders warned us about. Absolutely. There is no doubt they are incapable of functioning in a democracy. We make the case every day on the show. Every day we do a show, we bring the receipts and we make the case. And, uh, but don't, don't make any mistake. Now, what happened with, with voting in New York, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, what's his name? Cuomo, they took, and, and the Board of Elections here in New York, they took Bernie's name off the ballot citing uh, issues about the pandemic. Oh, we were they were going to cancel the primary. Oh, if it wasn't for Andrew Yang, and, and here's I know I'm all over the place, but it wasn't, he sued the New York Board of Elections to get every Democratic name back on. All of, all the Democrats were on the, on the ballot. And it goes to show you, but it wasn't just, the only thing that we were we weren't just voting for the presidential nominee. There were about half a no, not half a dozen. There were about a dozen more elections going on. So nothing else was taken off the ballot except the names of Joe Biden's challengers. So how effing dare you, Cuomo and the Board of Elections here in New York, pull that dirty trick? to get Bernie's name off the ballot. That's exactly what they did. And Cuomo is effectively, he is a Republican. He would, if this was a, if New York City was a Republican state, he would be a Republican. He often sides with the Republicans. He undermines the Democratic Senate on, on many occasions. He, uh, he's a political animal. 
He is not his father. His father was a far more progressive governor. And I believe that that's because he was, that's what he felt in his heart. Cuomo, he's a player. So he will get in bed with anybody. He is a corporate lickspittle. Yeah, okay. He's better than most. If he were a Republican, he, he would be a normal Republican. I guess, whatever that means. Those normal Republican days are far, they're really well in the rearview mirror now. But it's its galling that they have the nerve. This is, is what, what's going on. That's why we do the show, ladies and gentlemen, because we are up against it on both sides of the aisle. We're fighting for the working class. It has always been about the working class against the entrenched, whatever it may be, the rich, the oligarchy, their, and their enablers. And they find willing enablers everywhere, you, everywhere they look. As you see, what's going on in this country with Twitter, you, you would think, oh, oh, the only way that... Evil triumphs is when good people do nothing. Well, we got a lot of not-so-good people doing a lot of nothing. And it's not good enough. Look at John Bolton, for example. What a disgusting human being. He's always been a disgusting human being. But in his mind, he justifies. He says he, do- he didn't go and testify during the impeachment well, he had his book coming out, but, it, oh, he, he makes the excuse that it was because, well, the, he didn't like the way the Democrats were running the impeachment. It was, a, it was a partisan affair. Well, what the hell do you think when you have one side of the aisle that is completely co-opted by a con man and there are no courageous Republicans? None of them are standing up. They just fall in line. And it's all about getting paid. How dare he? Now, wherever, if this was a, uh, a functioning society, wherever John Bolton went, he would be vilified. He would be shamed by the people he encountered. In my opinion, shame has a place, public shaming. Why should they be able to walk among decent society as they're tearing down a democratic system that works for all. Uh, well, and an attempt. Just the attempt at it. It's, it. it's everywhere we look. But don't be confused. Now we see what's going on all over the country. They're pulling down statues. Everything's... Oh, Aunt Jemima, we played on the show yesterday, that, that dumb bitch, Reagan Escalade, who was fired because she's she's a racist and a homophobe. She posted a racist homophobic video that she hid behind Jesus blaming Jesus for her, her own bigotries as they do and they uh anyway, I just got distracted. Holy shit. I always do that because uh, I saw the super chats. <laughs> I'm like tr- Trump. I see a shiny object and the Thank you, Richard. Thank you, Deborah. But, all right, let me get back on track. And thank you, Haiku. Yeah. Um, yeah, so 
What was I saying? Holy fuck. All right, doesn't matter. Let's get back to her. I was talking about Reagan Escalade and using Jesus as a human shield, as they do, hiding behind their bigotry, blah, 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 blah. Okay, and the point is that we we are getting it from all sides. Trump just texted you for a campaign donation, Richard W., well, that's interesting. Yeah, so it's not just the Democrats. I mean, it's not just the Republicans. We also have the corporate Democrats. And, oh, yeah, this is what I'm saying. Don't be distracted. They are they're playing the culture war thing on us, and the Democrats are playing that culture war thing too. It's easy, as MLK said, to integrate a lunch counter. But we have far more pressing problems and it it's easy to stare to tear down a statue that's all great and there's all this signaling this virtue sig- signaling this culture war shit are we going to be forever trapped in a culture war while the class war is really where we should have our attentions it is a class war it is an economic war and the other thing now i wanted to play this one video before because many things happened today joe biden gave a speech about health care because today twitler yet again he they're in court the republicans to overturn obamacare completely and this is the hypocrisy while right now um, Texas, remember how Texas, oh, they refuse to wear masks, they're everything, business as usual, blah, blah, blah. Well, the state that, we, uh, we expected it, of course. They, um, I mean, th- th- this is not a spike in coronavirus cases. This is, it's still the event. It's not that we had, we have a lull here in New York. Because we socially distance, we shut down, we followed and abided by the uh, the rules for the most part, and only in New York, and in the in the states are the surrounding New York is the coronavirus actually on the decline, but all in Trump's state. Well, not just Trump's. I guess in California there because. You know, they're saying that people who come from other states, if you come to New York, you should self-isolate for two weeks. How can you enforce that? How do you know if someone's coming from another state? It's not like you have to show your papers at the border. Wish At this point, I wish you would. If you're coming from one of the Trump and Z states. And, but, yeah. Right now, as their... Um, in Texas, the Texas governor has he's hit pause on further reopening. They never closed. Texas is a shit show. And that's by design of their their stupidity. Texas is really um a fucked up state. And it is it, it's a state because they're so free. They're, you know, they love that freedom, D U M B. 
this is the kind of state that could will have a school next to a uh, a fuel plant or you know remember recently not too long ago some some power plant some fuel plant exploded and it was in a residential neighborhood there was a big explosion now it's a, I can't remember exactly what it was explosion in Texas. But that was all the result of their deregulating. They don't. They just don't have zoning, as we know it here in New York. Like you can't have, um, you have your industrial area, you have your housing area, you have your shopping areas. There's zones. You don't. You just can't open up a goddamn. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> A slaughterhouse next to the uh, whatever, next to the old age home, next to the school, next to the playground, next to the fuel plant. It's but that's Texas for you, and so they don't abide by civilized laws. They that I don't you know if that works for you, but it doesn't work, as you see when things blow up and you know people. Uh, they die uh, needlessly. Well, that is really, um, I think that's kind of the Republican, it's what they should change there. If they have a motto, it should be, well, first of all, it should be the beatings will continue until morale improves. That's the Republican way because they want everybody in their place. Everyone get into your, get into your hierarchy, get into your roles, and then we, we'll all have utopia. You know, and that includes gays in the closet. Women know their place, and you could be a woman that in in the Republican Party, but you have to be a bigger misogynist than the Republican male. You have to be a real bitch who likes to murder animals from a helicopter, who uh, giddily carves up. Um, a deer or a moose or caribou that that she just murdered for no good reason except that it she wanted to make herself look good on TV to the to the idiots. So yeah, that's the whole thing with the Republican women. You have to be so, but they 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 will allow you in there. They will allow the exceptions that prove the rule. Like if you're someone who has darker pigment, they really want you. Because you can be their human shield. So if you parrot their talking points, they'll put you right right up front, like diamond and silk. I often wonder, too, diamond and silk, who I want to interview somebody. If you know them or know their relatives, I would like to interview one of their relatives. What is it like having diamond? I don't want to interview them because I don't have the... I, I don't have the patience. I'm, uh, I just, ugh, just the thought of it, talking to them. What, what could you say? Except just shake your head in disgust. But I want to know what it's like to have a, to be a family member of Diamond and Silk, especially if you're a normal person and you understand, because they are, they are not just, I mean, they really are, uh, the human shields for the Republican bigotry, but they also spread the same racist tropes that Republicans spread. Like, I was listening to 
um, that Candace, whatever her name is, that that young African American conservative Candace. Uh, I can't remember her last. Name. I'm sorry, I'm having troubles with names, and. She was saying that the problem with Black Lives Matter is that they're not they're they're being tricked by the Democrat Party. And of course, nobody called her out for being. Yes, Kansas Owens. Thank you, Andrea. Nobody called her out for being uh, for for saying uh, what is the Democrat Party? I hate that. And I hate that nobody calls it out. And this is how this gets into the lexicon. It is. That's why we have to call them out. We have to fight them. We cannot allow them to put their bullshit out there unchallenged. We cannot trust in the American people to know what's better. You know, that, oh, they're just crazy. We have to fight them. We have to actively challenge them and counter the bullshit with the reality. So when they say freedom and uh, USA, 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 we say, no, we are for freedom. Progressives are the true champions of freedom, justice, truth, and the American way. Because we're fighting for a country that works for all. We are fighting for e pluribus unum. We pledge our lives, fortunes, and sacred honor to each other like the founders. And we're actualizing a country that works for all. We don't leave anybody behind. That's what it means to be a patriot. What is going on here? Why are people bothering me? Oh, that's the wrong placone. Asking me what time's the show on? It's uh I'll talk to you later. I'll t- I'm on the air. Okay. Ron Placone is coming on the show on Saturday, but he wanted he wanted to know what time but I said I'm on the fucking air, man. I'm on the air right now. So we'll talk later. All right. Yeah. Yeah, the show is on nowish. <laughs> we don't have a set schedule. It's just on right now. Whenever now is, that's us. Yeah, so what was I saying? Yeah. All right, let me focus. I know I'm... I also have to thank you all for being friends, being fans, being patrons, in spite of all the challenges we have on the show, the technical challenges, my challenges, my emotional ups and downs, my my sometimes my stinking thinking, my tendency to want to give up. I want to give up approximately every 15 minutes for the past 40 years. So I'm still here, but I keep going in spite of it. It does get daunting. Everything is. When I let it get to me, 
when I see everything seems so insurmountable, you know what I mean? The stupidity. And I am frustrated, which is partly why I started the show to begin with. Sort of the same way I started RepublicanDirtyTricks.com. Now RDT Daily, you can find it any, if you go to Republican Dirty Tricks, you can find it. RDT Daily, whatever, you know what I'm saying. It's because I was frustrated and I wanted to get my opinion out there, counteract the lies. Not It's not my particular opinion, is it? No, it's in my view, it is we're fighting for... The uh, we're fighting for the country that we deserve. God damn it! It's a choice we've made that we have allowed them to get away with what they have gotten away with. The elites, those who bought the politicians, who corrupted government. We're not stupid. We see what's going on. Greed. That shouldn't be the only American value. And I'm sick of it. So the stupidity, I'm sick of Republicans. I'm sick of them claiming to be patriotic. And I'm also sick of them talking about treason. Now, you you hear the way that they talk. You better believe them. Right? When, what did Maya Angelou say? When people show you who they are, believe them. Do not think that the American people are just going to see through the ruse and be like, okay, yeah, no, they're just crazy. You're, you have the calls to uh, basically tear down this government. Um, well, tear down the way, um, not the government, to tear down the fellow Americans. This is what Trump is doing calling uh, a war against the American people. They use the language of war. They don't talk about, when they talk about Black Lives Matter, the protests, they talk about a mob, riots. That's what they, that's what they want everybody to think because this is why we have to not allow them to define what it means, what, what, what our demands are. It's not just, you know, uh, taking down some statues. And if it is, shame on us. Is that all we're going to get? Because that's what they're going to give us. The, the Democrats will give us that. They'll take a knee. They'll wear traditional African garb and take a knee in the, in the house in front of the cameras. How do you feel about that? Has, have you been able to afford health care then? Or have you been able to go to the doctor, save $400, or retire, or whatever? Because Nancy Pelosi and the rest of the Democratic leadership took a knee. And really, what took them so long? It's easy to, to do uh, displays, to tear down a statue, to say... That okay, uh, we'll put Harry Tubman's face on the twenty dollar bill. That's easy. If you can't, what's the point? Okay, yeah, symbols matter. Yeah, it does. It reflects. You know, there is there's something to be said for them. 
But that's not the change that we need. That's not the change we can believe in. It is a step in the right direction. But the fact is, if the country was functioning as it is economically, then we'd already have these things in place. So it's sort of like putting the cart before the horse, putting the statues up, and then the economic revolution will follow or taking the statues down or changing the the trappings no what what is needed is the economic change that we that we need not just change we can believe in well that's why they're offering the statues and the platitudes Come on. Are we that easily fooled? Some of us are. And we also have another whole contingent of Americans that are dumb, that believe the con men, that they think that what are they fighting for? Now, we have someone in the Oval Office right now. I never thought, who would ever have thought to live to see the day when they're talking about, when he calls the traitors to this government who took up arms against this government, our heroes. Now, when people tell you who they are, believe them. Of course he lionizes traitors to this country. Of course they do. They are proving my point. They are traitors. They're not uh, American. I mean, yeah, they were born on this in this country, but they lack the fundamental qualities to function in a democracy, a diverse democracy. It's, it's, it takes a maturity. You have to be able, you know, it also takes understanding and knowledge. What does it mean to have a functioning society that works for all? Well, guess what? The bottom line, the basic rule of thumb is that we have to have an economy that works for all. And what does that look like? While they're cheering the traitors who took up arms against this country, um, we have to uh, do something about the economic disparity. That's where it all lies. And that, that fucking Candace Owens, I saw her arguing with a bunch of, uh, I don't know, rap stars, other African-Americans who were, there was some big meeting. Somebody sent me a link. And um, she was arguing that, uh, yeah, it's all about, you know, all the same racist tropes that the white people argue she was saying well the democrat party doesn't do anything to fix the schools or the democrat and which really of course irritated me just the democrat party thing but yeah i talk about it all the time the fact is that's how you you know how you fix the schools i got the answer for you it's not that hard Everybody in, nobody out. Fund the goddamn schools through the general fund, not from property taxes. That is a racist-ass goddamn initiative that was put deliberately there by the racists that wanted to ensure that we had schools that didn't function 
in African-American communities. So it kept them down. Yeah. You know, she just rails about the Democrat Party doesn't do anything to fix the schools. Yeah. But she never gets to the other side. She doesn't point out, well, how do you fix the schools then? She's not going to say, you got to tax the rich and ensure that you leave no one behind. No, they stop at the, the problem. That's what the Republicans do. Because they can't win if we are united. So, yeah, they're broken. Just like Twitler got into office despite receiving fewer votes because of a racist system put in place the Electoral College to ensure that the southern landowners could keep their human property. So the the same thing that, uh, you know, these racists, these racist-ass policies benefit the elites, and they're not going to do anything to fix him. They will talk about the problem. And Twitter got into office by tickling the racist funny bones because they know that the damn, the fucking thing is broken. I can't, I'm tripping over my own tongue. They know it's broken. They broke it. It's not broken for them, though. And they know that the people are, they recognize that they've been played. So they will tickle the fissures of disunity, but they don't want to do anything to fix it. That's why they will stop at pointing out the problem. Like when Twitler says, American carnage stops now. Yeah, he knows that it sucks that the American people are, I mean, I'm outraged that we have an area in this country that was called the manufacturing belt and is now called the Rust Belt. That is a disgrace. And anyone who initiated that, that voted for policies, that turned the manufacturing belt into the Rust Belt, should be drummed out of the goddamn government. Not rewarded with an executive position, but that's my opinion. But Twitler knows that. He knows that the people are... They've been played and they get it and they're pissed. So they recognize the problem, but they're not, they don't put a solution. Their solution is autocracy, fascism, more concentrated wealth. It's the game that all autocrats play and they can't get there without a broken system and a broken population. That's why. The Republicans won't do a fucking thing to ensure that we that we heal. You don't heal just by saying, "Oh, that's bad. We're going to take Aunt Jemima off the box of uh or the the whatever the syrup bottle." That's not good enough. Yeah, okay. Why? I, that's not. Uh, who cares, Aunt Jemima? Now they're all crying about fucking Aunt Jemima. These Republicans. Seriously? What about Count Chocula? They don't do anything when they took Count Chocula or, I don't know, the Cookie Monster. They took the Cookie Monster away, they said, because he was teaching kids to eat a lot of cookies. But they that's, that's the conservatives for you. All of a sudden, Aunt Jemima, 
It was that's a corporate decision. I thought they were all about corporations. I don't know. It's so much easier to talk about Aunt Jemima. Like that means something. And we could say that we did something because what? Okay. They took Aunt Jemima off. Okay. Whatever. I don't know. We have bigger fish to fry than Aunt Jemima. It matters. What matters is what we talk about here. And that's why I say become a patron, become a, support the liberal media, because we will not win without it. They have the microphones. They have the platform. We don't have that, even on our democratic so-called side. They're not talking about this. They're talking about all day. Okay, again, I watch MSNBC. As I'm sitting here, I'm working, I'm doing other things, I'm preparing for the show. I listen to them. I hate watch it. I watch it with a critical eye. It never stops. All they do all day is talk about how bad Twitler is. I agree. He sucks. He is a nightmare. The Republicans suck. But we got more problems than that. He is, uh, and you know what? Biden is not somebody who walks on water either. They don't talk about all the other problems. They don't talk about, um, you know, all the stuff we talk about here. They say that, I mean, I can't even believe it, really. All day. It is Trump. How bad he is, what he did, what he tweeted, what he said, what he, do you think? And then they'll have other people on. What do you think? Do you think Trump is bad? Yes, I agree. He's horrible. He's terrible. They'll have Tony Schwartz on. Yes, uh, he's a psychoanalyst. He's a narcissist. He's terrible. He's bankrupt. He's a, yes. Fucking shit. Well, what about all of the Americans who have no health care in a pandemic now that the pandemic is going to the Trump and Z states. And how about uh, we discuss that every other country, that, that the United States, the for-profit health care racket, is the measurably worst health racket in the developed world that bankrupts millions, kills thousands, leaves millions out and consistently ranks dead last or next to dead last in all positive measures, but it makes a few people very rich, so they have to keep it in place. Now, Biden came out today, and he gave a speech about the ACA and how if I have to hear another time in my life, one more time, if I got a... I don't know how many drops in the bucket will this bucket just spill and I'm going to lose my mind if I hear another person say affordable health care access to affordable health care how dare you we have to get to a place and that's why I do this show and I thank you for helping the show grow and and gather more patrons and gather more viewers and supporters and people to get together and build this community because if I got to hear one more time about access to affordable health care, how much longer are we going to take it? We got to get to the point 
this is why this we have to do the show, frankly, because we have to get to the point where a Democrat saying access to affordable health care is drummed out of the Democratic Party. No, honey, Medicare for all. Everybody in, nobody out. Because today Biden was saying how I want to help people now. Now. We got to help. And telling his own story. I don't know what I would have done when my uh, son had cancer. Yeah. Oh, we were all supposed to know that he feels our pain, you see. Well, guess what? I can go toe-to-toe with him with loss and death any day of the week. So, but... Bo Biden never had to worry about getting on the phone with an insurance racketeer who was going to pay the copay, the coinsurance, the deductible, whether he was going to be covered, whether it was in network, out of network. Give me a effing break. And of course, on MSNBC, they're all giving accolades to Biden access, and they repeat it. Access to affordable health care. Access to affordable health care. We have to get to the point where anybody who says that is, 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 it's over for them. What do you mean access? It's sort of like how now all the Democrats, even Biden, they're all talking about $15 minimum wage. Remember, I, I'm old enough to remember when that was pie in the sky. When Hillary Clinton was like, well, I'm going to go for $12. $12. What's the difference? $3. You know, 12 We have to be pragmatic. We have to have incremental change, you see, here in the United States of serfs and lords, where the American people are, uh, the income disparity between the rich and poor is wider than it was in ancient Rome. You know, incrementally wider. No, it didn't happen incrementally wider. It happened in my goddamn lifetime. When I was born, the United States was the most upwardly mobile, and it had the slightest income gap between all Western developed nations. Now we are the least upwardly mobile with the widest. And now nobody talks about that because that's... By design. They did that on purpose. They, that's the point. You understand? It has always been about an economy that works for some. And that is why Black Lives Matter and that the, the Black Lives Matter movement that we know, that we recognize, is about us all. Black Lives Matter... When we say black lives matter, we are saying all lives matter. That's what it means. All lives matter because if all lives actually mattered, we wouldn't have to say black lives matter. This is what they don't understand, the Trumpanzies, because complex thought is well over their heads, as you can tell by their standard bearer and everyone else they vote for, like a Louis Louis Gohmert. Ted Cruz. I mean, these aren't the giants of American history. Who's going to remember them? Except for the freaks that they are. So, 
It's about an economy. We get it. And I hear sometimes, as I am hate watching MSNBC, I do hear on occasion they'll have a guest on who lets the, the truth, they, they get it, and it will come out. And they'll say, no, well, it's great, but this is really about economic equality. Social justice is economic justice, racial justice. That's how we heal this country. We are in it together. It belongs to everyone. Health care for everyone. Leaving no one behind. Black, white, straight, gay, we're in this together. Americans, whether you are an American, whether you're a visitor to this country, whether you're a wannabe American, we are in this together. We don't leave anyone behind. That is what it means to be a patriot. That's what it means to have a country that works for all. You don't just throw subsidies at people. You don't tell them access to affordable fucking health care. Guess what? Everything, it's, uh, you got access to anything you want. Affordable is all relative. What's affordable when the American people can't save $400? Are you serious? They are. Well, that's, anybody who says access to affordable health care, that's the talking point of the health insurance racket, the most rapacious, disgusting, needless, unnecessary racket that ever existed. A parasite, that's what it is, that sucks on your misery and bloats itself on the corpses of our fellow Americans. That's the health insurance racket. They don't give a shit. They make money by denying health care. Of all the things, there are other things that they can do. Let them go into insurance for something else. Health insurance should not be a thing. Every other country understands that. What's wrong with us? Have we really gone that far? Are we that deluded? Or is it, are we that far gone where we, that's it. Greed is the only American value. But that's why I'm here, I hope on some level, to help as many people wake up. Really, wake up. If you can't go to a doctor when you are sick, you are not free. If you can't get the help you need, you're not free because you you can't afford it. Well, here, uh, coronavirus survival. Here's an article from June 12th from the Seattle Times. Coronavirus survival comes with a $1.1 million and a 181-page price tag. Remember Michael Floor, the the longest hospitalized COVID-19 patient who, when he unexpectedly did not die, was jokingly dubbed the miracle child. And here's, uh, this article is by Danny Westneat from the Seattle Times. Now they can call him the million-dollar baby. Floor, age 70, who came so close to death in the spring that a night, night shift nurse 
held a phone to his ear while his wife and kids said their final goodbyes. Is recovering nicely these days at home in West Seattle. But he says his heart almost failed a second time when he got the bill from his health care. <laughs> from Healthcare Odyssey the other day. I opened it and said, holy bleep. The total tab for his bout with the coronavirus is 1.1 million. Well, it's actually 1,122,504.04 to be exact. All in one bill that's more like a book because it runs about 181 pages. The bill is technically an explanation of charges, and because Floor has insurance, including Medicare, he won't be paying the, ma- the vast majority of it. In fact, because he had COVID-19, another different disease, he might not have to pay anything. Might not. A quirk of this situation I'll get into in a minute. But for now, it's got him and his family and friends marveling at the extreme expense and the bizarre economics of American health care. Floor was in Swedish Medical Center in, what is that, Asaquah, with COVID-19 for 62 days, so he knew the bill would be a doozy. He was unconscious for most of his stay. But once near the beginning, his wife, Elsa Del Rosario, remembers him waking up and saying, you got to get me out of here. I can't afford this. Can you fucking believe this disgusting, filthy health insurance racket? What they have done to the American people. You're dying. You're in the hospital, dying of coronavirus, and you wake up and say, I got, you got to get me out of here. We can't afford this. How about the lady? Remember when the lady got mauled by a lion? Or, but let me see, lady. By, was it a lion? Or a bear? She That's the first thing she said was, how am I going to afford? afford this. Yeah, here it is. 71-year-old New Hampshire woman mauled by a bear. She thought... Her first thought was, I, I hope I don't live or something like that because I can't afford this. How am I going to afford this? Let's see. Yeah, bear attack. That's it. As I was being eaten, I was thinking about my insurance. A woman who lost her face in a bear attack on why she's voting for Bernie Sanders. A woman still experiencing the aftermath of her injuries nearly 12 years after she was mauled by a bear has put her support behind presidential candidate Bernie Sanders largely because of his position on health insurance in the U.S. Elena Hansen, now 68, was on her secluded ranch in the southern part of California's Sequoia Mountains in 2008 when she was mauled by a black bear. The attack, which left her with extensive facial injuries and pain, 
was not the hardest moment for Mrs. for Ms. Hansen. Instead, she said dealing with her private insurance company, Bill Blue Cross, to cover medical bills was the most debilitating. Blue Cross did not respond for a request for comment. Literally, as I was being eaten by a wild beast, I wasn't thinking about Jesus or my family or my son. I was thinking about my insurance, how it was not going to pay for this, she told the Independent. I had to make this calculus as I was being eaten. Do I want to survive this? Not, can I survive this? Not, what am I going to look like? She added, I think that speaks volumes about American health insurance. Yeah, I think so too. And the American people who fucking put up with it. Uh, How much longer? And this fucking Biden? Anybody get in touch with him? You ever find him? You better give him a piece of your mind with this shit. Enough, honey, enough. With this access to affordable health care. Anybody who says that should be embarrassed. And we have to get to the point where that's the case. That a Democrat dare, any Democrat that come out and say, now that you notice they don't say that. They don't say, I'm for $12 minimum wage. They say, we're all for $15 minimum wage. Even the likes of Pete Buttigieg in the wine cave. Now it's common knowledge. It's just par for the course. Well, we have to get to the point. F you, health insurance racket, and anyone who enables it. They are the enemy of the people. How many more people have to die? How many have to go bankrupt? How dare you, Joe Biden? You feel my pain? Bullshit. You don't feel shit because you got yours. You don't feel a goddamn thing. I don't care. You've had loss. Let's tally up the losses. How many Americans needlessly die? Talk about the 35,000 a year who die needlessly and their families and loved ones and the people they leave behind. You feel their pain too? What about the bankruptcies? You feel the pain of those who have to declare bankruptcy after trying. Maybe they, they got cancer. They recovered. They came out of the hospital with maybe just a half a million dollar bill. Who can fucking afford it? In a country where 80% live check to check, how much longer are we going to take it? I have to ask every show. I got to ask it every day, every five minutes, how much longer? Jesus Christ. It's shocking. And then we have to hear, well, in this article from the Independent, Sanders Medicare for All plan would eliminate private health insurance and instead create a public health system for all Americans to use and pay into. That's how we have to go. Everybody in, nobody out. I don't give a shit if Willie Geist says we all love our health insurance, our private health insurance. You got to be fucking daft if you do. Or maybe you've never really used it. Get sick. Okay? Get mauled by a bear. 
and get back to me. You disgusting rubes. You make me, you really make me want to get out of here. It really is the reason. It's sort of like, well, how can I share the same country with so many idiots that pine for their oppressor like a battered spouse? Right? Like a battered spouse pines for an abuser. They pine for the oppressor. Oh, yeah, I love my private health insurance racket. Oh, thank you, Blue Shield, Blue Cross, Blue Shield, for what? What what have you done? Get sick. Really get sick and get back to me. Because I have never met a human being who's conscious that had to use their private health insurance that has that gotten really sick. Oh, yeah, if you got a flu, that's great. Not even, actually. Now that I think about it, I had the flu last year, and I told you I had the flu. I woke up at night, in the middle of the night. I was very sick all of a sudden, like nothing had... Uh, I went to bed. I felt fine. Middle of the night, woke up with 104 fever. And I was sick, like I hadn't been in forever. And I was scared. I went to the emergency room. I didn't know what was wrong with me. And they said I had the flu. They took tests and whatnot. Then they sent me home. I got Tamiflu. And that's all you can do is recover. Lay in bed, sleep, drink fluids, and take the Tamiflu and get through it. And two weeks later, I got, you know, I felt better. About two weeks later, woke up, middle of the night, 103 fever. And I was like, holy shit, what the hell? And I got scared again. But this time I called the teledoc. Uh, I called the doctor on the phone and I said, I'm back with the fever. I got a fever again. And they said, well, you might not have fully resolved you probably had some uh, lurkers and they took over again and you know you didn't quite kill all the virus your body didn't overcome the uh, invaders you know it was like a caravan and my body had was built my white blood cells didn't build that wall fast enough for the virus but anyway and um, so what happened was a friend of mine went to the pharmacy to go pick up. They called in another prescription of Tamiflu. And of course, I get a call from the pharmacist. It's not covered. They're not covering your Tamiflu. And I was like, what? What? Huh? Tamiflu? I, of course, I called the health insurance. And I was like, what's going on here? This is what I want to do, though, right? With 103 fever. That's what you want to do. You want to get on the phone to the, your insurance racketeer. They said, oh, well, you just had it. You just had it two weeks ago. You can't get it until this day. You can only get it. You can get it next month. I'm like, well, I'm sick now, motherfucker. It's called a... Relapse, you ever hear of it? That's what the word means, you sons of bitches. So I had to pay for the, despite that I have to pay a fucking arm and a leg for health insurance, I had to pay out of pocket. And it adds up. 
you know, $150 for Tamiflu out of pocket. The insurance racket didn't pay it. That adds up, though. Oh, well, you know, who can afford it? Maybe somebody doesn't have $150 laying around. Like, I wanted to spend that money on on the Tamiflu? When you, you, have a, you pay your goddamn premiums, they don't care. But you understand, they're not in business to pay claims. Any way to F you over. That's what they do. This is how they make money. They don't make money paying claims. They make money denying care. So, that's only one little story about a flu. There are legion of stories about everything that will turn your stomach and curl your toes and keep you up at night hoping, I hope I'm not next. These disgusting racketeers and one day believe me and you know i am psychic sometimes i see the future just as trump's minions will one day they will only speak of their support of twitler and shamed whispers one day the american people will look back in gratitude to be free of the health insurance racket. And they will say, just like we say of the slave markets, how abhorrent that was. What a dark stain on our history, on humanities, the story of the human species. That they will say, what a disgusting dark stain on the, on the American people that we had to put up with a health insurance racket. Can you believe it? And the people in the future will say, thank God, or whoever, thank Namyaho Rengekyo that we don't have to deal with them anymore, that we have enlightened, we've been enlightened by Tarabuster. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> by Tarabuster. Thank God for Tarabuster with Tara Devlin, they'll say. Maybe they will. Maybe they will. Ugh. But, yeah, why don't they talk about that on MSNBC? Why doesn't Willie Geist talk about that lady when he's saying how much Americans love their private health insurance? I wanna, I really want to know. Jesus Christ. Where is, where am I? Let me check in on yous. Unused peoples. Let me see. Who's here now? I'm glad I did the show tonight. I was feeling like not that nice today. I want to do the show as many times as I can, as much as possible. And hopefully it'll get to the point we'll have more viewers and listeners and blah, blah, blah. And we will, you know, get to, uh, people will say, where's that Tara Buster? When there's no Tara Buster, they'll be like, holy shit, I miss Tara Buster with Tara Devlin. Look at Haiku with another super chat. You are super chatting away. There's a lot of super chats coming in. Thank you. That's how we're going to work it, girl. Work. 
on the Tara Busta work. Work it, girl. Well, that's how we're going to win. And we're going to, we need to get to the point where anybody says access to affordable health care, they get, it's met with a laugh track. And that's actually what I remember saying um, about Republicans in general many years. Well, not many, but one of the, I used to do the two-minute tirades on Progressive Voices. That's how I ended up getting a show on Progressive Voices. I used to do just a two-minute little thing. And now I got to, look at me now, mama. I'm a nobody still, mama. You said I would be nobody, and now I am nobody. But I have a bigger nobody. I'm a bigger, bigger nobody. And, but one of the, uh, the tirades that I did, I proposed that as the sign of we will know that we're on the right track when all Republican speeches, policies, whatever it may be, all Republican uh, policies, I'll keep it to that, are met by a laugh track. That's it. Just accompanied with a laugh track. <laughs> like, what do you mean? Oh, you mean deregulate corporations? <laughs> what are you talking about? Clearly, you're out of your mind. Let me see. Do I have a laugh track in here? I should. You would think. Hmm. Let me see. Work it, girl. On the dance floor. Work. Work. Work it, girl. Work a terror buster. On the dance floor. Hmm. Let's see. Here's a laugh. That's whenever you hear, let's see, let's, let me see if I can find a Republican saying something stupid. <laughs> like, that shouldn't take too long. Let me, what, what kind of a question is that? Let's see if I can find Republicans saying something stupid. Do you think I'll be able to do it? Where the heck is my safari? This is weird. I can't find the window. Oh, here it is. Let's see. Here we go. Are the idea that Democrats on the Senate side would not even Wait. allow the bill to come up? Do they care about the issue? Or do they want to play politics? A simple example would be amendments on this side as well. You have enough people. You have shadow voting where you've got all these votes in your pocket so the people don't even have to be here on your side. You're guaranteed to win. But you're guaranteeing you're not going to solve the problem. That's a and unacceptable. On both sides, do you think the police reform is effectively dead for the year? I don't get to determine that. Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi, and Chuck Schumer because of the rules of the Senate. And they both apparently made a decision to kill these bills. That will not stop us from working, trying to solve it. 
Thankfully, the president executive order It works. I'm sorry. <laughs> right? Am I wrong? Of course, I'm not wrong. It works. <laughs> yeah, anything for Louis Gomert. Let's see. Let's do Louis Gomert. I'll go on Twitter. Let's see what's on his media. Oh, he doesn't have any media. Well, we also have yesterday his appalling behavior. We have the video from yesterday of Louis Gomert. What a name. Who named him? Did the, his parents lose a bet or something? Louis Gomert. What's your son's name? Louis Gomert. You're really setting him up for success. In American history. I got to put my picture in picture up. Chairman, this is outrageous. Do you have no respect for the rules whatsoever? He's two minutes beyond concluding. And you don't let us have that kind of time. You gavel down immediately. You're being grossly unfair. This man has a written statement. And <laughs> anyway, <laughs> we could do it all night like that. So, all right. What was I saying? What was I saying? Oh, here's something that, that proves my point. So let's just listen to this for a second. Let me get this. Blah, 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 blah. Where is it? It's on Right Wing Watch. Now, this is someone who she challenged Nancy Pelosi for her her seat. So this person, Deanna Lorraine, urges conservatives to form militias while waiting. Oh, is that her? Wait, 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 wait. Hold on. Sorry, guys. This is what happens. I say become a patron so we can get some better production value. Of the Tara Buster show. Yes, Deanna Lorraine. That's her name. She thinks Twitler is literally superhuman, she says. Literally. But she is the person who challenged Nancy Pelosi for Nancy Pelosi's seat. But um, she's on a show with Your Voice America, some religious, some conservative dumb dumb show and I just, just listen to how they frame their arguments thank you so much for tuning in today I have with me today Deanna Lorraine and she is someone that I met at a political conference where she was actually chairing a round table that I was a part of and we got to be good friends and have been following each other on Twitter and especially with all the craziness that's going on out there the left seems to be losing their mind it's like they're running on the chaos platform or something and uh she said you know by the way i've got a new book coming out and i said great doesn't he look like a sleazy used car salesman anyway let's have you on the show and talk they're about it it's very poignant for these days as elections are taking place it's called taking back america and it's about her they're always taking america back even when they have the executive office the supreme court one house of the Congress, even when they have both houses. 
Everybody's they're taking it back constantly. Take it. Where are you taking it? You fucked it up. They, you know where they're taking it. They're taking it back straight past. Forget the New Deal. Forget the Progressive Era. They're taking it right back to the Dark Ages. That's where they're taking it back. They are unraveling democracy. Of course they are. That's the end game. So we are not recognizable anymore. Trust me, I'm telling you, this is the lessons of history. Even if we still have local elections, if the Republicans and the conservatives have their way, this country will be, it will be effectively an oligarchy, an entrenched one at that. Well, we'll have no say. The, the, uh, the, the gap between rich and poor will be entrenched. The upward immobility, entrenched. You will have no means to do anything about it. Your job will be to go to work like a little serf, toil in the fields. Maybe you'll find a lord, your corporate lord, to trickle some benefits on you if you're a good little serf. And... You can go and vote in your local elections, but you will have no real power. Ultimately, the oligarchy rules. They write the laws. They make the rules. And if, by way, you benefit from one or two or something, that is incidental. It doesn't... That's not the motivation. It's not to make a country that works for all. It's to make a country that works for some and keep the rest of us dumb and stupid and fighting amongst each other over the scraps. And that's why conservative propaganda exists. And they're taking the country back always. And they're fighting against the very things supposedly they 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 use the language of revolution that they're the patriots they use the language of war so like i was saying in the beginning if and when when somebody shows you who they are believe them that's why we have to fight them you cannot leave this shit unchallenged they can't have free, fettered, unfettered reign of the internet. They have the corporate media. They have the internet awash with right-wing swill. Everywhere you look. That's why we need liberal media. To counteract it. To tell the truth. That we're fighting for democracy, freedom, a country that works for all. That doesn't mean that you don't make mistakes and you have setbacks. But if you can agree, if you have a population that can agree that the goal of a government is not to make the rich richer, but it is to make the country, a society, that benefits the majority of people, most people, all of us, we're in it together. In other countries, in Scandinavian countries, you have to work very hard to be poor. You have to, be, you have to work really hard to be homeless. So why can't we do those things in the richest country on earth? We're the greatest, the richest. That's because we don't have the will. 
and the government has been co-opted by the rich. It runs for the rich. We have the studies. We need to believe them. That's why you don't hear this on MSNBC. You hear how Twitter tweeted something and how bad it is. Yes, but he is the symptom. He's the symptom of the problem. He didn't get here all of the sudden, pl- like springing from the head of Zeus, fully formed. He came here because the th- system was broken. He exploited the broken system. Not And what, what do I mean when I say the broken system? The system is broken because it makes the rich richer and the working class the working poor. It is broken uh, along the economy. It is broken because it is functions to make the rich richer. We have legal bribes built right in. We have government uh, bought and paid for puppets who are legally bribed to keep the people stupid and talking about affordable health care instead of health care for all, instead of leaving no one behind. You know, the founders for all of their racism, misogyny, we know, we know. They had high and mighty ideals that we're trying to actualize, and we can do it if we have the will and we know what we're up against. We're up against the likes of them who are the mouthpieces for the broken system, and they co-opt the language of patriotism and they talk about war and taking the country back. Well, who are you taking it back from? They own it. No, they want to make sure that we don't take it back. Listen, let's continue with the video. Run for Congress against uh, no less than Nancy Pelosi. Deanna, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. It's good to be here, Bill. How are you? Great. I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Making the world safe for democracy. I'm kind of tireless, but really? I'll tell you what. I'm glad Making to- the world safe for democracy? How? By ensuring that the rich get richer and the working class remain the working poor and slink lower down on the ladder? And if the American people get a clue that the problem is really not that uh, the rich can't dump their shit into our electoral systems or whatever or the or the, it's not just that we have some statues of traitors that's the least of our problems the statues of the traitors exist because the economy is broken and kicks down on the american people the working class and the elites the broken system designed that system so they can get rich while we, the working class, fight all along the racial lines. We fight each other over uh, the racial lines because if we really understood how powerful we are together, they would be, that would be the end of the game. We are in this together. That's why they need us. You will never hear that they need us to fight each other. So, which is why you will never hear a conservative talk about uh, or challenge their constituency 
to evolve. They notice. Notice what they do. They give them permission, tacit permission or not, to milk and nurse their bigotries like little babies sucking on binkies. They, they propose to them that their racism, that's freedom. Bigotry is their birthright. Nobody's going to tell them. Nobody's going to tell them to take a knee or listen to another American experience. That's all a distraction, though, ultimately. I mean, yes, exactly. Mark C. on the chat. What a phony (laughs) fuck this guy is. This is true. Look at him. He just looks like a plastic, generic man. They made up a generic man, and that's him. And I wouldn't be surprised. He, he kind of gives me a closet case vibe. My gaydar is going off, and I'm, th- I'm seeing a closet case. I don't know his story at all. I've, it's the first time I ever laid eyes on him. So, But he gives me that closet case vibe. So, anyway. If only comes at us in 24-hour pieces because I couldn't go longer than that. I need a break in between. I watched President Trump, 74 years old, stand on that stage in the heat. You could see he was warm for two hours and speak. You know, you and I both work in TV. Could you stand on your feet and talk for two hours? I couldn't do it. I don't think so. I mean, at the very least, I'd have to take off my heels, but I don't think I could do it. This guy is the Energizer Bunny. He is literally superhuman. And for that age, wow. I Are mean, you kidding me? It, it is really, it he's is really, it. really amazing. Okay, well, talk to us about your book, wow. Taking Back. You realize where we live? That we share the same air and the same country with people who say shit like that? They should be ashamed of themselves. And let's roll it back a couple of years. Remember when Obama was the president? If anybody ever praised Obama, they were, oh, it's the Obama cult, the Obama bots. They lost their minds when children in Black History Month sang a song that mentioned Barack Obama. As if that's nothing to celebrate. The, that we had a black man rise to the highest executive office in this racist-ass country. We shouldn't celebrate that, our presidents. Now, look at the other side of the coin. This cultist. They they are a cult. Because they don't see reality. Are you kidding me? That man. They don't venerate Obama, who was somebody who... You know, for every, I I mean, yes, he's a neoliberal, he's not a progressive, blah, blah, blah. In my opinion, yeah, he was the, uh, a nightmare to them. Everything that they criticized Obama for, they even had ads against him. Oh, celebrity. Remember, um, John McCain had an ad, celebrity, criticizing, he's the biggest celebrity in the world. Let me see if I can find that ad. I'm sure I can. Quick enough. But that's the irony. Do these people own a mirror? I often wonder. Because they never look in it. If they were not so hypocritical, I might be able to stand them. 
but they are hypocrisy is like the mother's milk of conservatism. Everything they criticized about Obama, he's a celebrity. Meanwhile, they they accused him of being nothing but an empty suit. Remember that? But I don't know with Obama, it was he was either an empty suit or uh, it was all these racist undertones, of course, to their criticisms. And many, many criticisms were either he was, uh, remember, shucking and jiving? That's what um, Sarah Palace said. He was shucking and jiving in the White House. No, that's not racist, though. Um, that he was either lazy or, which is also that, you know, doesn't know what he's doing. Right, he's in over his head, or he was the uh, deep state, Satan, crafty. Yeah, he was either uh, some supervillain, or he was just uh, shucking and jiving in the White House, lazy. You know, putting his feet up on the desk. Meanwhile, look at their standard bearer. Look at who they. Put in the executive office. They created a, they met, they not created, they took a con man, a literal fucking reality TV star, celebrity, after criticizing Obama. Oh, he's just an empty suit. An empty suit? They put somebody who played a successful businessman on reality TV as their standard bearer. Somebody with a, a serial bankruptcies six times. Now, imagine if this is why they're such, they're, they're barely tolerable. I don't tolerate them in, in the least. If Obama did half of what Twitler did and does, they would have had him up on impeachment and treason. They're calling him a traitor in in uh, Twitler's, one of his latest interviews with the Christian, the CBN broadcasting goddamn network, I don't know, he's called, he said that Obama committed treason. This is what they're talking about, these fuckers, these traitors, the ones who venerate traitors, the ones who call the treason bastards, the southern traitors who took up arms against this country, they call them American heroes. Calling Obama a traitor? For trying to stop Twitler from colluding with foreign autocrats for uh, to help his election? These scumbags. Somebody who praises Kim Jong-un, who covers the ass of a Saudi dictator who lords over a literal handmaid's tale, these pigs, who dismembered, who lord a, a journalist, the, a member of the only profession enshrined in our Constitution as being essential for a free democratic society. And they lord a journalist into a, an embassy and they dismembered him alive. And Twitler tweets accolades oh my great friend the saudi prince fuck you you hypocritical scums now i'm looking at these these disgusting uh excuses 
these poor excuses for human beings, and it makes me want to vomit. Oh, Twitler is so superhuman. All he does every single day is violate the decency, dignity, democracy of this country. And these enablers, these Vichy class war disgusting enablers are calling to take this country back? Yeah, we want to take it back, all right. But it's from the likes of you, and that is why we have to galvanize the left to understand that forget them, man. We are on the right side of history. We're, we are the patriots. We are on the right side of democracy. And we are fighting for nothing less than the American dream, than the American experience, the American experiment. God damn it. That's what we're fighting for. For all. So yeah, we're taking the country back from the conservatives. And let's not be afraid to say it, frankly. And call them out for what they are. Enablers. The underminers of the grand experiment. The very domestic enemies that the founders warned us about. That's who they are. Hmm, let's see. Let's see if I can find this ad. He's the biggest celebrity in the world. I remember it. I could still hear it in my mind. In my mind's eye. Anyway, let's continue with them. America, this is really kind of a, a David and Goliath story, isn't it? It is, yes. Uh, campaign secrets from battling Nancy Pelosi and the swamp. Uh, that's what it really is. So I obviously I had just concluded my run for Congress. I you see how that is that when when Twitler says the swamp, he's talking about the stop gaps to his power. He thinks he's a king. And so do the rest of the Republican Party. So in their mind, the swamp, whenever he gets rid of somebody who can challenge his power, uh, and rightfully, that's the swamp. That's how, how uh, much Republicans hate this country. They are dismantling the very system the founders put in place to stop somebody like Twitler and the oligarchy that he actually works for. For Congress against none other than the head of the snake herself, uh, Nancy Pelosi. And Listen to this language. You ever hear Democrats talk like this? Except me. I'm not running for office. But that's why we have to fight fire with fire. The head of the snake, Obama's a traitor, taking the country back. We better get real, ladies and gentlemen, because they're playing for keeps. And it continues. In California's 12th district, San Francisco, and I completed my run, you know, my primary was this spring. And it was a, a crazy, interesting experience that I'm like, you know, I need to share this with everybody. And I want to share it with people. Yeah, um, that's it. Not just the great parts of it, but the good, the bad, and the ugly. 
because I learned so much. Um, I learned about how to be a true freedom fighter for America. <clears throat> really? What it means to what does freedom mean? The freedom to deny people uh, the same rights that you take for granted. The freedom to I, I mean, they, they don't know what freedom means. They need the freedom to call you the N-word, to um, associate, uh, you know, with only white people or whatever. The freedom to dump their poisonous corporate waste into our beautiful Purple Mountain's majesty, blow the tops off the, uh, the, the mountains, or frack the fruited plains to get at the coal. I mean, it, it's... That's what they think freedom is. Freedom to what? What's freedom? That's what they think. The freedom for corporations to ride you to the bank unfettered by pesky government. That is the conservative definition of freedom. And the dupes will settle the working class idiots who vote Republican because they think that Twitler is going to meet them for a beer and trickle on them. They think they're not free because they they can't call somebody the N-word or what are they have to I don't know, they feel tyrannized when a gay couple wants a cake or something. This is what they think they're fighting for freedom. We'll define it. Because I could tell you, I can tell this bitch what I consider freedom and what progressives consider freedom. Freedom to go to a doctor when you're sick. The freedom to take a day off, to have a vacation, to have a decent middle-class life, to work for a living wage in, in, in working conditions fit for a human being, to work in a country, to live in a country that is a civilized nation that doesn't just work for the oligarchs and the billionaires that you get a living wage yeah, thanks to the taxation the progressive taxation and the le and the legislation the that that says to billionaires and corporations that the working class deserves a a a fair share of the profit their labor makes possible because that's the meaning of an economy and if you want to go to school? We are in this together because that's a society. And this mark of a functioning culture is that we get to have a varied, diverse population that if you want to go study art history, you can do that too because that's how successful the country is. Not everybody has to go and be a business major or come up with an algorithm that can game the system on the stock market. That's not the meaning of life. And if you fall on hard times and fall through the cracks, we are there to catch you. There's a net because we're in this together, and that's a country that works for all. It happens in many other countries. We see what works and what doesn't work. Why do we insist on continuing with the ruse, the game? You know why? Because they have us divided. Subsidies. Well, they do it on the right. 
subsidy uh, for the Republicans, they don't give a shit. Go die. Sucks to be you. Their health care plan is don't get sick, and if you do, die quickly. On the left, so-called, the Democratic, the DLC corporate wing of the Democratic Party, they will throw a subsidy at those who are really low, low, low on the ladder. But that's also part of the problem. So that's why we need a liberal media, the real liberal media, to ensure that real that the Democratic Party is uh, gets back to its democratic roots and becomes the winning Democratic Party again. You know, like FDR's Democratic Party that only that didn't win. Because, you know, in five landslide elections, because FDR was dead, not because he was playing footsie with the oligarchy. Really step up in the midst of chaos, in the midst of uh, a country very, very divided, and what it means to, to fight a very tough battle uh, where, where it feels like all the odds are stacked against you, right? I mean, Nancy really is like a Goliath, and there are so many of these political Goliaths in very blue districts and blue areas where it just seems like this is impossible. But we have to stand up against this. We can't just wave the white flag of surrender. Otherwise, we wouldn't have gotten Trump as our president, right? Otherwise, we would just continue to see this chaos ensue. So wow. Listen to this gaslighting waving the white flag of surrender. They use the military, the language of war. That's on purpose. I have definitely shared the good, bad, and the ugly of what happened fighting the swamp and a lot of unexpected things that happened along the way. But I also want to share, you know, perspectives on how to be a stronger conservative activist and, uh, and really stand up and fight as a leader in this war. Exactly. In this stand up and fight in a leader in this war. Like I said, if people tell you who they are, believe them. Believe them. All right. We've already been on the... Oh, Jesus Christ. These shows go by so quickly. What time did I go on the air? 7.30? It's already two hours and 15 minutes. Is that true? This is crazy because it feels like uh, it went by like, like I, 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 I'm, I'm not going off the air right now. We might, I'm not going to, I keep saying this. I'm not going to do a three hour show. And then it turns into a three hour show. That's what I'm marveling at. And I'm wondering if for you guys is, it's sort of like, did you, do you, oh no, it's only an hour and a half. So, okay, I'm looking at the time now. That's good. An hour 40. Because, yes, no wonder if I thought, wow, that went by fast. Because it's not two hours yet. Anyway, I thought I looked at it wrong. And uh, I was like, that can't be. But it does happen though, that um, when we're doing the show, that all of a sudden I'll be like, oh my God, it's three hours. But anyway, it doesn't matter. We're still got, sh we got some show. We still got show. There's other questions and other 
issues. So I wanted to talk about, well, we went over the, and uh, the healthcare uh, and we will go over it again. It's one of my dear issues because I am, I'm baffled why the American people are so stupid, why we uh, are the only country that, that puts up with it. A, a system that gets a few people very rich, I'm, and I'm talking about the health insurance racket. We all are disgusted by it. Every single person that I know that has been sick, seriously sick, has a horror story. We all have horror stories, though, from the small st- horror stories to the more uh, egregious horror stories. No, nobody has a positive experience with the health insurance racket if you get sick. It is a daunting and uh, a terrible way to try to recover is that you have to constantly be in touch with this for-profit racket that is doing all it can to make you uh, not get the health care you need that gets in your doctor's office that stands in between you and your doctor, whatever your doctor wants, and it says, no, we're, that's too expensive. I told you the story when my sister had, my sister had three babies, and they are my nephews and my niece are very nice people, and I love them. Anyway, my sister had <clears throat> three children. The first two, she had by cesarean. And the doctor, this third pregnancy, the doctor said, okay, we're not even, let's just go right for a C-section. The fucking insurance company told my sister that they wouldn't pay for a C-section until she had been in labor for over 24 hours. So they made her go through, you know, they said to her, just try, just try to have the baby in a less expensive manner. And as if she didn't know her own body, as if the doctor who delivered her two other children didn't know what they were going to have to do. And, of course, that's what happened. So my sister had to endure a a 24-hour period of pain and suffering and and labor to get to the point where they said, okay, time to cut her open. That's your health insurance racket. Disgusting. Just try? Who the fuck are they? The doctor said. You know, you could have avoided she could have just went in. Okay, we're having the baby. We're going in. We're going to have a C-section. And that's, you know, the baby's coming home. Instead, not only did she have to go through it herself, what about the baby? To put that baby through the pain of trying to get into this rotten-ass, Republican-run, kiss-up, kick-down world. It's disgusting. The stress they put on the baby. They could have endangered the baby, too. Exactly. Disgusting. But I never forget it. 
that this my sister said that they the insurance company is making her try just try you know i know this doctor said this and you know your your own experience and you know your body and they the doctor says you know you need a c-section you've had two we've tried having uh, your babies naturally two other times it's you're not a good candidate so you know thank goodness there was a c-section in another time i'm sure my sister would not have made it through childbirth so but that's your insurance racketeers for you they are nothing but greed-centered ghouls and anybody who works for the insurance racket i'm sorry but you're, there are other insurance um, companies that I'm sure you can get a job at. And I'm sure there will be transition. Now, that's the difference between Democrats and, uh, and ghouls, conservatives. They don't give a shit. Well, like right now. You know, well, we, we, what I'm trying to say is that there'll be other jobs. We'll give you... Uh, you know, it's so funny how Republicans, this is the other thing. No, I'm not even, what am I saying? Republicans. That that was one of Pete Buttigieg's talking points. Well, what about all the people that work for the insurance company? And uh, what about they'll lose their jobs? So we should all die. So 35,000 Americans should die every year. They don't say that when, you know, I thought that's progress. Uh, what about the buggy whip? manufacturers when the buggies when the car came along that's progress now it's only when the rich get richer it's um anyway whatever it's my i feel for anybody who loses a job trust me i understand so but we're not at that point and uh, that's one of the things in Bernie Sanders' bills. It was uh, billions. I don't know how much it was. It was there was a lot of money set aside for the transition for people to get other employment. Uh, anyway, so it has to be done. It simply has to be done. How much longer? That's what I have to say. Are we going to endure it? Millions bankrupt every year. GoFundMe pages flooded with people begging for health care on the side of the internet superhighway with signs, help me, my son has uh, cancer, my baby has lupus, my this, my that. Uh, how much longer? It's unconscionable. And they know it too. People who work for the insurance racket, look at, uh, oh, what? who's that guy? He's uh he's one of my Facebook friends too. Oh my god, he wrote Deadly Spin. Wendell Potter, hello. I met Wendell Potter a couple of times. I should reach out to him and ask him to come on the show. Nobody wants to come on my show though. I'm just I'm sick of rejection. That's why. I should ask Wendell Potter because he is a Facebook friend because I met him numerous times at um, Families USA Radio Rose when I was helping Mike Malloy do his Radio Rose. And he was on Mike Malloy's show. Maybe he'll be on my show. 
He's great. He is great. But I I haven't reached out to him because of my own lack of self-esteem and being I'm sick of being rejected. You ever get rejected? I'm tired of it. And I it hurts me. It hurts my heart. Whenever I get rejected by these fuckers, too. The other thing that hurts is that I think, why? Why don't you want to go on my show? You go on that fucking show or whatever, some other show. What's wrong with my show? Is it because I say curses? Then I think that. And then I think I start getting uh, self-conscious. You know what I mean? And then I think maybe I'm, it's just, I'll show them. One day they'll be clamoring to go on the show. When we have a lot of supporters and patrons. And then there's no stopping us. Yeah, maybe it's the cats. Jim, he doesn't like cats. He's not a cat person. Well, he better like cats. I'm going to, I will reach out to him. I also reached out to Mikey Weinstein. We'll see what happens there. He's for the Military Religious Freedom Foundation. Nobody got back to me yet. Everybody hates me. Now I feel like shit. Thanks, guys. Thanks. It's not the curses? Fuck no, it's no. <laughs> Fuck no, it's not the curses. Other people curse. Is it my... I don't know. I think it... I don't know what it is. I don't get it. Really. They go on other shows. Maybe I'm not... I don't know, whatever. I should save this conversation for my shrink. Because <laughs> I'm, I need it. Yes, Ron Placone had me on. Gup, thank you. I'm glad you found the show and I'm glad you're here. Ron is a good friend. And I'm glad. And he, he does what I do. So they go on his show. I think it's because he has more people on his show. Or more, but that's because he's on Jimmy Dore. And I don't know, maybe I'll get on Jimmy Dore. Maybe I'll be a guest on Jimmy Dore or something. That's what we need. We need to get, I need to get on other shows and promote the show. That will help. But yeah, you can't let rejection, I guess, get to you in general, in life. Otherwise, what are you going to do? Not have a life? Fuck them. That's it. Actually, you're right. Now that I'm reading Jim on the chat, you have to be super persistent. Yes. That, you reminded me right now of somebody that I remember reading. Maybe it was a comedian saying that it's not the 
the most talented or the best, let's say, person who succeeds. It is the persistent. It's true. Because I also know that in my own life, too. You don't have to have... Nobody's perfect. Not everybody's going to like this show. Not everybody is going to like somebody else's show. I don't like everybody's show, right? It's all subjective. But there's enough to go around. That's another thing I learned in life. That, you know, there's enough for everybody. There's enough audience. There's enough... um, It's all subjective. So... And there's crossover. That's the other thing. So, but um, it is persistence, not just. And that's why I I think doing the show more often is going to help. I'm trying as much as I can, when I can, if I have the time. This is the problem. The problem of having, I would like to do the show every single day. But then I also would like to keep a roof over my head. So I have to hustle up jobs. And you guys who watch the show know that I lost my regular source of freelance income that was coming in, and it sucks, in this goddamn pandemic. Because of... And it's also a giant company. That's what pissed me off. But I was working as a freelancer, and but it was steady. And so it's a double-edged sword. It's also a golden handcuff in a way, too. But I need to do more shows. So I'm going to do as many as I can, as much as I can, and hope and put as much energy into the show. And it's not just about the the show, though. You understand? It is really, truly, because I believe in it, and I also believe and know that we will not win without it without this point of view i i gotta get that video maybe i'll do that tomorrow Uh, the other thing that it takes time you know putting the video clips together and getting out the little clips that people can share and maybe that spreads um but i did call up um aoc when she did a phone call thing on facebook for her constituents and I got, I didn't talk about the show, but I spoke to her about what we speak about here. And I'm going to make a video out of that. I'm going to cut that out and make a clip. I don't give a shit because she, she friggin' wouldn't go on the show. I asked her to come on the show. And when she first got elected, I reached out to her and I said, I am your constituent. I thought that she would at least give me the time of day given that I goddamn voted for her and she's my you know she's my goddamn uh, representative and anyway she fucking rejected me not she her people she's too big for her britches now right but I said I'd go to her it could be on the phone it could be 15 minutes it could be you know Anyway, the questions and the conversation, I'm still going to make a video out of it and post it. But um, what we talked about and what I asked her and what I proposed, it was basically what we talk about on the show. Do not 
present Medicare for All and the progressive initiatives as, you know, nice things, right things, moral things. It's all those things, yes, but it's more than that. They are patriotic imperatives. We don't leave anybody behind in this country. And if you're not, if you're a patriot, you know that. So that's how it has to be framed. And I think that that's also how we can reach conservatives. Because maybe they'll hear it then. Because what kind of country, when you frame it like, hey, you know, we're talking about what, what does it mean to pledge your life, fortune, and sacred honor to each other? Does that mean that when somebody gets sick, you say, oh, I got mine. Fuck, fuck off. Sucks to be you. Good luck. No. We don't leave people behind. And it's not that it's just a nice thing to do. And it's the same with progressive taxation. It's not just nice and moral and helpful. It is a patriotic imperative because you can't have a country that works for the 1%. You have to, and you also can't, I mean, well, a 1% alone, and you also can't have an intergenerational aristocracy, and that's why you need progressive taxation and you need an estate tax and all of these progressive initiatives are not, you know, that's how you have to frame them. As Amer these are American ideals. It is the only American value. In fact, that's what FDR said about progressive taxation. That is the only American value. That's what he said. And it's not even a question. That's how he presented it and spoke about it. That, no, no, we don't do, we do progressive taxation because that is the only American value. And that's what we're talking about here. We leave no one behind. We are in this together. You want a country that works for all? Then you have a country that works for all. You tax the rich. You prevent them from developing an intergenerational aristocracy. This is why you have to tax them. Uh, that's why Eisenhower taxed them at a high marginal tax rate of 90%. Because... That prevented the entrenched wealth that was that could reach out and control government itself, as FDR put it. The thirsting for power, reaching out. Yeah, that's this one of his famous speeches. Let's see, FDR minute. He brought up uh, the the Minutemen. Reach out and control. 1936. Yep. This is, hey, this is great. Great stuff. Let's see. Where's a good point? This is FDR's renomination speech in 1936. Oh, look at this. Uh, Philadelphia... Oh, here we go. Philadelphia is a good city in which to write American history. This is fitting ground on which to reaffirm our faith of our fathers, to pledge ourselves to restore to the people a wider freedom 
to give to 1936 as the founders gave to 1776, an American way of life. Hello. This is great. I've read this speech before, but this has to be in our lexicon. And every American child has to adopt this in their heart. Philadelphia is a good city. Oh, yes, I already wrote that. I already read that. The very word freedom in itself and of necessity suggests freedom from some restraining power. In 1776, we sought freedom from the tyranny of a political autocracy. From the 18th century royalists who held special privileges from the crown, it was to perpetuate their privilege that they governed without the consent of the governed and that they denied the right of free assembly and free speech, that they restricted the worship of God, that they put the average man's property and the average man's life in pawn to the mercenaries of dynastic power, that they regimented the people. And so it was to win freedom from the tyranny of the political autocracy that the American Revolution was fought. That victory gave the business of governing into the hands of the average man who won the right with his neighbors to make and order his own destiny through his government. Political tyranny was wiped out at Philadelphia on July 4th, 1776. Since that struggle, however, man's in inventive genius released new forces in our land which reordered the lives of the people. The age of machinery, of railroads, of steam and electricity, the telegraph and the radio, mass production, mass distribution, all of these combined to bring forward a new civilization and with it a new problem for those who sought to remain free. For out of this modern civilization, economic royalists carved new dynasties. New kingdoms were built upon concentration of control over material things. Through new uses of corporations, banks and security, new machinery of industry and agriculture, of labor and capital, all undreamt of by the founders. Those holes, the whole struggle of modern life was impressed into this royal service. There was no place among this royalty for our many thousands of small businessmen and merchants who sought to make a worthy use of the American system of initiative and profit. There were no more, they were no more free than the worker or the farmer. Even honest and progressive-minded men of wealth, aware of their obligation to their generation, could never know just where they fitted into this, this dynastic scheme of things. It was natural and perhaps human that the privileged princes of the, these new economic dynasties, thirsting for power, reached out to control government itself. They created a new despotism, despotism, yes, 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 and wrapped it in the robes of legal sanction. Does this sound familiar? In its service, new mercenaries sought to regiment the people, their labor, their property, and as a result, the average man once more confronts the problems that faced the Minutemen. 
An old English judge once said, Necessitous men are not free men. Liberty requires opportunity to make a living, a, li a living decent according to the standard of the time. What does it mean when the standard of our time is that we have four fucking people have more wealth than the bottom 50%? A living decent according to the standard of the time. A living which gives man not only enough to live by, but something to live for. Far too many of us, the political e equality we once had won was meaningless in the face of economic inequality. A small group had concentrated into their own hands an almost complete control over other people's property, other people's money, other people's labor, and other people's lives. But too many of us, life was no, but for too many of us, life was no longer free. Liberty, no longer real. Men could no longer follow the pursuit of happiness. Against economic tyranny such as this, the American citizen could appeal only to the organized power of government. Hence... That is why Republicans hate government and want it small. Like crooks hate cops, right? That's what they, they're saying, crooks hate the cops, but... The collapse of 1929 showed up the despotism for what it was. The election of 1932 was the people's mandate to end it. Under that mandate, it is being ended. Today we... well because Franklin Roosevelt was re-elected, and, well, it's a shame. Today we stand, well, it's a shame that he died. What I'm thinking is not a shame that he was elected. It was a shame that he died before his time, and he never realized and actualized his second Bill of Rights, because that would have happened, and we would be living in a much different country, if that is. If that happened, it makes me cry. It makes me weep constantly. We would have the right to housing, the right to a living wage, a decent wage, the right to health care. That was the second bill of the Economic Bill of Rights, which, as FDR said, once we have finished and, and won the war against fascism, we need to... Secure a lasting peace. And that's how he framed it. Because, as he says, as FDR said, into uh, um, people who are hungry, people who are out of work, that is the stuff of dictatorships. That's how dictatorships are made. And here we are. They did it to us deliberately. Of course they did. They saw the... They saw the American people getting too uppity in the 60s. People wanted a seat at the table. There was too much freedom going on. And they were too close to actualizing a, a government that worked for all, right? Because people are saying, well, hell no, we won't go to your war. Black people were saying, we want a seat at the table. Women, we want a seat at the table. Gays, we want a seat at the table. 
that's chaos to Republicans, to conservatives. They had to undermine it. Ensure you're nice and complicit, compliant. They love it now. This is the best economy for the Republicans because they need the working class. 40 million out of work and counting? That's great news. Because they can lowball everybody then. You take the scraps. They like you nice and desperate and clinging to a uh, big daddy to save you from the scary people, the others, you know. That's why they're stirring up all this racist division. They will never say, they will never stop and say, I want to hear your American experience. I want to heal this country. They will never. That's why they need it divided. They want us fighting each other about over the scraps along racial lines, preferably. preferably. Did I say that right? Preferably. I can't talk. <sighs> Today we stand committed to the proposition, as FDR continues, that freedom is not a half-and-half half affair. If the average citizen is guaranteed equal opportunity in the polling place, he must have equal opportunity in the marketplace. These economic royalists complain that we seek to overthrow the institutions of America. What we really, what they really complain of is that we seek to take away their power. Our allegiance to American institutions requires the overthrow of this kind of power. In vain, they seek to hide behind the flag and the Constitution. In their blindness, they forget what the flag and constitutions, Constitution stands for. Now, as always, they stand for democracy, not tyranny, for freedom, not subjection, and against a dictatorship of mob rule and the overprivileged alike. What's going on right now? Organized money is just as dangerous as organized mob. FDR said they complain we, we seek to take away their power. That's what they complain about. What's, that's what they, they say we want to overthrow the institutions of America. But what they really complain of is that we seek to take away their power. Absolutely. And our allegiance to American institutions requires the overthrow of this kind of power. And that's why I talk about it every show. We are the patriots. This is a patriotic imperative to overthrow the oligarchy. Because we're on the right side of history. We're on the right side of democracy. We are actualizing these, these, uh, the mandate of America. The whole thing, why the American and why any American ever gave their life. Because every American, regardless of the war, whether it was a war of corporate aggression or one war, let's say they, they talk about the World War II, the only good war that we've had in the 20th century, that we actually did fight for democracy against tyranny. But even when we were fighting another war of corporate aggression, like in Vietnam, 
or in Iraq. They were still, we were still being told that we were fighting for mom and apple pie and democracy. So every American, whoever gave their life, that's what they gave their life for, regardless of the reality. We were told we were giving our lives and our, uh, our time, our sacrificing for America, for democracy. But this is democracy. This is what we need to fight for. This is what we were told we were, we were fighting for, right? It's about time we put the dream into action. This is one of my favorite FDR quotes. Governments can err. Presidents do make mistakes. But the immortal Dante tells us that divine justice weighs the sins of the cold-blooded and the sins of the warm-hearted in different scales. Better the occasional faults of a government that lives in a spirit of charity than the constant omissions of a government frozen in the ice of its own indifference. That says it all. There is a mysterious cycle in human events. To some generations, much is given. Of others, much is expected. This generation of Americans has a rendezvous with destiny. And he may as well be speaking to us right now. That is absolutely the truth. This gen generation has a rendezvous with destiny. Because either we get it back now or it's gone for good. It's not just Putin. I'm Putin. I'm looking on the chat. L's 214 is talking about Putin. It's not just Twitler. Whoa, might, might as well be Putin. Because uh, Twitler is a Putin puppet. That is no doubt. Being played... Like a little, like a whiny little needy. He's like a needy fucking 12-year-old in a junior high school relationship, you know? You like me? Check yes. Check this box for yes. You like me? I need, I'm needy. I need it. Ding. One of the things that John Bolton said, I mean, he's a disgusting traitor too, but John Bolton in his book says one of the, and, and think about how disgusting John Bolton is that knowing this and not revealing this during impeachment, it still galls me. And John Bolton is a traitor, but that he uh, agreed said to traitor. That's what Republicans are all motivated by greed. It's all about money to them. They don't country. Forget it. You got money. We got, I got a book to sell. But he said that how, uh, John Bolton said that, that Trump was so over the moon when he got a love letter from Kim Jong Un. And he asked what he called it. He was, she said, so he was gushing like a schoolgirl. He's such an idiot. He really thinks that Kim Jong-un 
loves him. And, and this is what he believes, that he can get in a room with any autocrat, that he could do a deal. This is somebody who's insane. And that's the mark of insanity. Not only do you, the insane think that they can do things, that they, they, um, you know, they don't have to study, they don't have to learn, they just know things by osmosis. There have been uh, aliens are broadcasting the secret codes. They know it all. They, they've picked it up on their tinfoil hats. But the insane don't know their limitations. That's the mark of insanity. You know what I mean? Like the, the famous people who think they're Superman, they fly out the window. Yay, look at me, I can fly. Whoop. That's insanity. Everybody knows. No, honey, you can't fly. You're not Superman. But the insane, they don't know it till it's too late. Except now, the insane person is squatting in the White House despite receiving fewer votes and gushing and pining over the world's dictators. How pathetic. And when all of this is happening then you contrast it to the video, for example, that we just played, where they're like, he's so superhuman. How appropriate, considering the example I, I just gave of somebody flying out the window thinking they could fly, when these idiots are like, you're superhuman. Literally, that's what she said. He's literally superhuman. I mean, when you have all these idiots constantly telling you what you want to hear, because you're a narcissist, and you have a whole, you do have a large contingent of morons around you, sycophants. I mean, that never ends well in history. Whenever you've had autocrats surrounded by sycophants, it never ends well. But, oh my God, how, how, are you serious? Now, uh, this is from The Guardian, speaking of Trump with what Bolton said. Who wrote this? David Smith from The Guardian. Trump likened diplomacy with Kim Jong-un to dating, Bolton says. Trump wanted to be the one who broke up with the girl first. Bolton says that failed denuclearization, that's a hard word, effort factored in resignation. Let's see. Let's see what the whole article says. Donald Trump compared his courtship of North Korean dictator Kim Jong-un to dating and, quote, always wanted to be the one who broke up with the girl first. Are you kidding me? He always wanted to be the one who broke up with the girl first? Right. Well, that's him. Yeah, you can't dump me. I'm dumping you. His former national security advisor, John Bolton, claimed Bolton's memoir, published on Tuesday, is potentially the most devastating account yet, written by a member of the sitting president's inner circle. The White House sought to halt publication. Yes, he's crazy. He's a kook. 
He's a liar. But it's all top secret. You can't be both. Is it lies or is it classified? Because lies aren't classified. So it's either the truth or you're a fucking, I don't know. You can't, well, that's, it doesn't matter. He, he, they don't, we can't uh, logically argue with them. It's, it's pointless. That's the nature of conservatism. They are, that's what they do. They're just liars, hypocrites. Fixing the facts around the policy. It doesn't matter. They have no ideology. And that's also what John Bolton said, that Trump's ideology is Trump. No matter what, he hates this country. This this country is like Stormy Daniels to him. He wants to stick his tiny, smaller-than-average Mario Kart, uh, toad-from-Mario-Kart-looking penis in us and have us say, oh, that's the best sex we ever had. That's it. Regardless of the truth. Let's see what he says. Uh, but in the latest interview of his promotional tour, Bolton said the failed effort at North Korean denuclearization was a major factor in resignation in his resignation last September. He was asked by National Public Radio about his frustrations. Blah, blah, blah. Well, he said that he always, back in the day, wait, 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 hold on. This is Bolton saying, he said that he always, back in the day, as they say, he wanted to be the one who broke up the girl first. Okay, that's the third time this article said the same fucking thing. He didn't want the girl to break up with him. And I thought it was an insight into the president candidly given that showed how he approached this as opposed to looking at it from the perspective of what an ultimate strategist was, in my view, we would have been better not to agree with the summit to begin with. Trump appears to have gone cold on Kim, noting that last week North Korea blew up a liaison office set to improve communications with the South. Bolton said this entire two-year-long effort with North Korea ended in diplomatic failure. But that allowed the North Koreans the time that they need to continue to pursue nuclear weapons and ballistic military. Of course, he's, he was being played. I wanted to hear more about how he was giddy and reading what Kim Jong-un had written. And I thought that's what he was saying. Let's see. Love letter... And this is how, what an infant he is. Kim Jong-un thinks his relationship with Trump is a huge laugh, John Bolton says. Bolton, uh, blah, blah, blah. I think Kim gets a huge laugh out of this. He responded saying that love letters from Kim Jong-un, which Trump has continually referred to in private and public, may not even be coming from Kim. I mean, these letters that the president has shown to the press off the record and whatnot, but I've been in the room when he's done it, are written by some functionary in North Korea, in the, <laughs> in the North Korean Worker Party Agitprop office, Bolton said. And yet, the president has looked at them as evidence of this deep friendship. 
even if we were in a deep personal relationship, it doesn't change the fact that Kim Jong-un is never going to give up his nuclear weapons program. And from the U.S. national security point of view, that is the only thing that matters. In the interview, he was severely critical of Trump's diplomacy with North Korea. He called it a folly for Trump to cancel U.S. war games with South Korea as a concession to Kim. He describes Trump as obsessed with a number of reporters who would attend a news conference concluding his first summit with Kim in Singapore that he was... Wait, wait, that's what he's focused on, Bolton says, that he has this enormous photo op. First time an American president has met with the leader of North Korea. Like, who cares? He, we get nothing out of that. We get smaller on the world stage when Kim Jong-un gets bigger. Nobody cares. No one would give Kim Jong-un that win. No one was stupid enough. To supplicate, to supplicate themselves to a tiny tin pot dictator with a, who starves his own people. And also, you remember how um, Saddam gassed his own people? Gassed his own people. I thought these things were supposed to be offensive to us. Not only does he starve his own people, starve his own people, he, pu- he also puts his own people in concentration camps and... Uh, returns American citizens to their home in a state of brain deadness for what? Uh, taking a propaganda poster off the wall? That's what that the uh, American did. And Kim Jong-un is somebody you're gonna, you're gonna give this big win to. No one before Twitler was stupid enough to do something like that. Now imagine if Obama did it. What do you think the right-wingers, would they be calling him superhuman? No. This is why I can't stand Republicans besides everything else. Wait. It's because of the hypocrisy. If they were only consistent, you know, if they had an ideology, you might be able to endure them. You might get them. You might give them, okay, well, at least, you know, they're believers. They're true believers in what they believe. Wrong, yes, but they, you know, they believe it. But no. They... You can't even give them that. All right, guys. There's more more fun to come. Maybe tomorrow. What do you think of that? I want to do shows till we have so many shows. We don't know. We don't know how many shows it will take to grow the show so we'll keep on doing shows why do i sound like a pop star first i was afraid i was petrified that no one would come watch my show and i'd be all alone now i'm in tarot buster and i am getting super chats and now i'm grown and i got so many super chats in my chat (laughs) <laughs> from outer space 
I want to go back to outer space, but I'll make it. I'll take Ireland in its place. Uh-oh. Super chats are always welcome. Oh, thank you. A-L-X-T. I love it. Welcome to Tarabuster Show. We get to know each other in the chat, and I invite you all in. And thank you, Gup, for coming on the show after seeing me on Ron Placone. Ron Placone will be on the show on Saturday. Yeah, that's right. See that guitar behind me? Ron Placone played that guitar one day when he was staying at the house here at Tara Buster Studios. And yeah, I want to thank you all. I want to thank all the patrons. And I want to, I also want to say if patrons, if you want one of our keep calm and join the resistance thank you gifts you gotta send me your your address all right bum, 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 bum. go on the patron site please and send me your address because i don't have it yeah yeah that's right I only get your email on the patron site. It doesn't give me an address. It has very few details. Oh, thank you, Robin. <laughs> I know, what is with this beat, man? It is addictive. Yeah, I wanna thank you. I wanna say thank you to Peter Griffin for sticking out for the entire show all right and gup welcome i'm glad you're here thank you haiku haiku is our uh moderator and jabber monkey robin i want to say hello thank you thank you jabber monkey thank you greg thank you else thank you andrea thank you terry taylor all right, and thank you, ALXT, and Jim, and Jabber Monkey, and Covert White Rabbit, and Richard W. You guys are great. And I'm really glad we're in this together because I wouldn't be able to survive. Thank you, Terry Taylor. Thank you, Mark C. Thank you, ALS214. Yeah. And everybody else who's not chatting. I know you're out there. Don't be shy. Come on over to the RDT Daily YouTube channel, please. And join us next time. Because I'm going to go now. I need to get unconscious. I love unconsciousness. I mean, I am a recovering addict and all. But I still keep, you know, I have those memories of being high. Being asleep is nice because I don't dream of Republicans. In my dreams, 
where I'm naked and I'm falling and my teeth are flying out of my skull. There's no, there's no Republicans there. It is a dreamland. I don't know where the cats are. We've had no cats on two shows. You know, uh, Tara Jr. Jr. has found... He's lost some weight, so he's been able to jump on the top of the refrigerator. And, uh... He's been laying on the refrigerator with Francis. Well, that's alright. I feel like a third wheel. What else is new? <laughs> Maybe I'll squeeze up on the refrigerator, too. See how they like it. <laughs> yeah, alright. So, you know what? Why not? I'm gonna try to do a show tomorrow night. Let's do it. It's Friday night. I'm sure there'll be some more shit happening. And... Then we'll have a Saturday show. What do you think? Yeah, yeah. All right, guys. It's been amazing time. I want to thank you all. Next time, I want to see you back here tomorrow evening. Same bad time. I don't know, around the same time, 7.30. 8 o'clock. What do you think? Saturday is 6 p.m. Eastern. Gup. 6 p.m. <laughs> At the RDT Daily Facebook. Well, you found it right here. Yeah. 6 p.m. Eastern. So, um, Ron will be on the show. The whole show. All right. You guys are great. Thank you. And I look forward to seeing you all. We'll, we'll do tomorrow and then we will have Saturday. It's going to be crazy. I love it. All right, guys, remember wh what we said, what I say. We're in this together. We are the patriots. Do not, don't, don't, don't feel, uh, you know, don't forget to explain and exclaim, really, exclaim that. Take back the mantle of patriotism from the traitors. Because we're on the right side of history. We know what will win. We know how to win. We're in it together. Leave no one behind. That's the only American value. That's the American way. Oops, wrong. I hit the wrong button. I hit the funky loop button again. Because we are on the right side of history. We are on the right side of democracy. We are on the right side of humanity. My name is Tara Devlin. Thank you so much for hanging out. We stick together. We win. I will see you tomorrow. <laughs>